God bless you. God bless you. Are you enjoying the uh, fall weather? It's a little cooler. At least it's not so hot. Amen. Good to be good to be back. Good to see everybody. Uh, we want to say a special prayer this morning. I just found out Smitty, who's been coming a number of weeks now, his stepdaughter uh, passed away Wednesday, and uh, she had COVID, and uh, they just had. She was just in the hospital a few days. So we want to pray for Smitty right now. Shall we do that? Her name is Cassie. She's 37 years old. We want to pray for Smitty. Dear God, Lord, uh, our heart aches, Father, and we just pray right now for Smitty and his and his wife and their family, Lord, at the uh, loss of his daughter, Lord. We just pray that your Holy Spirit comfort him and comfort his wife, Lord. Um, just uh, just be with them. Give them strength and, and comfort, Lord, at this time, Lord. And, and um Father, we just pray to your loving arms around them, Lord, and help us as every church to do what we can for them as well, Lord. Uh, be with them, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a time. It's a time. It's a time in our history talking about what Smitty just shared in a time in our nation where we're during this pandemic, you know, when we're, we're reminded of the, of the frailty of human life, the frailty of human life. Um, thankfully, uh, you know, there's more and more vaccine uh, vaccinations happening and lives are being saved, but over 700,000 lives have been lost through this pandemic. Um, and each one of those lives uh, it's valuable to their, is of great value to their family and to their friends. Each one of those lives, uh, it, it, it comes from God and is precious from God. Each one of those lives is a life that Jesus died for, you know, to save those who would believe. Every life is precious. Every life. I want to tell you about a story. In 1958, a medical researcher uh, made a, a genetic discovery about the lives of those born with uh, Down syndrome. And uh, this is something that affects one in every 700 uh, people, Down syndrome. I have a nephew whose little daughter has Down syndrome. And this was a, a genetic discovery he found that, that uh, revolutionized the field of genetics. He was awarded in 1969 the highest award you can get in the field of genetics for this discovery and his research about this. So he was a Christian, and he made this discovery, and he did it to help families and children born with Down syndrome. But he was so happy about this discovery, but gradually he, he was horrified to come to the realization that this discovery, his discovery was that there's an extra 21st chromosome in a child born with Down syndrome. His, he was horrified to find out that this discovery was being used to abort children born with Down syndrome. You might, you, you might, you might have heard that. Sometimes uh, uh, doctors will ask a, a woman who's expecting, you know, if, they, if the child has Down syndrome, do they want to continue with the, uh, with the birth? So he, as a Christian man, 
was just horrified with this. And one of his daughters, when he came home from lunch one day, uh, just finding out about this, she said she remembered his face was ashen white. And, and he said, and he said, if I don't protect children with Down syndrome, I'm nothing. And so he started, he championed uh, and began to champion the rights uh, of children born and unborn with Down syndrome. He called it, this drive to abort them, he called it chromosomal racism. You know, it's a racism not based on the color of your skin, but the count of your chromosomes. And, and he, was, he, he dedicated his life to fight against this. Because he said every, and as, as a Christian, he knew every life is of equal value. Every life. See, that's why Jesus died for the sins of the world. Because God so loved the world. That means everyone in the world. Everyone, everyone. We're going to read. We're going to read uh, 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 just in a moment now from John. And this is, this is a week. This took place, what we're going to read now. Uh, I'll give you a chance to, to turn there. It's in John chapter, chapter 12. Just about a week before Jesus uh, was crucified, uh, Jesus uh, and his disciples uh, arrived at the home of uh, Lazarus. And he, uh, there was a um, dinner being made there by Mary and Martha to honor Jesus. And uh, a great crowd, once they found out that Jesus was at Lazarus' house, came to, 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 to follow him. And because they, they heard about this resurrection, Jesus, la- Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So they wanted to come, come and, and uh, uh, follow Jesus. So we're going to read John chapter 12. Beginning with verse 1. If you have a Bible, if you're able and willing, if you can stand with me for the reading of God's Word. John 12, beginning with verse 1. And it says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived. When Jesus had, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Mary served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. When Mary took a pint, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume that she poured on Jesus' feet and wiped his his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages, he said. But he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was meant that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but because to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus, 
in putting their faith in him. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. May God's word be blessed. Mary and Martha had prepared this meal for Jesus. Mary loved Jesus. Mary believed in Jesus. Mary had a gratitude for Jesus because he, he raised her brother from the dead. And she wanted to show that her gratitude, her honor to Jesus. And we're going to look at that this morning. She wanted to give him honor. And we, we're, we're going to learn how to give honor just like Mary did. And so we're going to learn this morning to give Jesus the honor that he's due. Give him the honor he's due. Show him the value that he's worth. Mary, when she poured this, this, this perfume upon his feet, this was an act of worship. You know, the, the word, our word worship in the English language comes from an old English word, worthship. And it literally means to, to know God's worth and to give him what he's worth. And so Mary was pouring this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet as an act of worship, worshiping him. We're going to look at two demonstrations this morning of how we can give honor to Jesus, give him the honor that he's due, okay? And the first is this. Just like Mary, when she poured out this perfume, she was, in a way, she was pouring out herself, pouring out herself to Jesus. So the first demonstration of honoring Christ is to pour yourself out for him. Pour yourself out for Jesus. Expend yourself. You know, when Jesus reached Lazarus' house, he was on the way to Jerusalem with his disciples. And he sat at the table. This was a, this was a dinner honoring him. Lazarus was there uh, reclining with Jesus and the disciples. Now, they didn't have chairs like we have today. They had uh, what you might call like a pillow couches. And they were reclining on these pillow couches around the table. And they were eating and they were fellowshipping and enjoying each other's company. And then what happened next? Silenced everyone in the room. Mary came in, and she had a, a pint-sized alabaster jar. It was filled with a, a rare perfume, a very, very expensive perfume from, from the Himalayas. It was from a, uh, a plant called nard, and it had this oil that had a, a, a sweet, sweet fragrance to it. And usually, uh, for the Jews, the custom for the Jews would be to anoint the head uh, of a guest with uh, olive oil. That was the normal oil that they had. But G Mary had this bottle that had never been opened. She'd had it for herself. But on this occasion, it would be used for a different purpose. She poured it upon Jesus' head, anointed him. And then she, she, she knelt down in humility and put it upon his feet. And with her long hair, she started to wipe his feet. This was her way of, uh, of, of worshiping him, of, of giving him her, her, her faith, her devotion, her love. She was pouring herself out to Jesus, giving her, giving him uh, 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 this sacrifice of love. So when we pour ourselves out for Jesus, we're to, pour, we're, we're to do it as an offering, as an offering. To Jesus. Do it as an offering. Uh, uh, 
pour yourself out. You and I are to pour ourselves out, just like Mary. Make the sacrifices. Make the sacrifices that Mary did that are an act of faith, an act of devotion, an act of love, and do it for Christ. Honor him. Give him the honor that he's due. You know, when Mary wiped his he- feet with her hair and uh, she offered him this worship, uh, you know, she was showing her love. She was, sh- she was worshiping him. Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren says the word worship. He says worship is when we express our love to God. Simple as that. When we express our love to God, we're worshiping. Mary was expressing her love to Jesus, worshiping him in this way, in this way, pouring this, pouring the expensive oil upon this, this expensive perfume bowl. And so when we, when we worship Christ, we're to give him our best. We're to give him our best. Mary was giving Jesus her best. Offer him your best. Give him what he's due. Expend yourself. Be willing to pay the price and give him all. You know, King David, at the end of his reign, as the greatest king of Israel, was told by God to go to a mountain that was called Moriah. And he said, on this mountain, there is a man who has, owns a threshing floor. I want you to build an altar for me, God telling David, upon this altar, upon this threshing floor. So David went to the mountain where the man lived. His name was Arana. And Arana saw David approaching with, his, with the men that he had with him. And he, and he ran out to him and he bowed before him, face to the ground. And he said, oh, King David, why have you come? And Jesus said, and David said, I came to buy your threshing floor to build an altar to the Lord. And Aaron said, King David, I'll give it to you, whatever you want. I'm going to give you this land. And not only that, but I'm going to give you, I'll give you the oxen. I'll give you the, 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 the yoke, the wooden yoke to burn for your sacrifice. David said, no. David said, no. He said, I insist on paying you for it. This is in, Ma- this is in 1 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel 24. He said, I s- insist on paying you for it. And then he said these important words. I will not give a burnt sacrifice to the Lord that cost me nothing. He said, God deserves better than that. I'm not going to go cheap on God. He, David said, I'm not going to go cheap. He, he, he bought the land. He was committed to pay a fair price. And he, he used his own animals and he sacrificed what cost him something. When you and I offer ourselves to Jesus Christ, do it in a way that costs you something. Show him, honor him. Give him the honor that he's due. By giving him your best. Mary gave Jesus her best. Mary, by the way, that mountain, that, that altar that David built was the altar that Solomon built the temple upon. It was the, what we know as Mount Zion. You see, G- David gave his best. He whole, wholeheartedly gave his best to God, and God honored him. You know, the Bible says God honors those who honor him. With her whole heart. Now, now Mary wholeheartedly gave her best. 
When we wholeheartedly give our best to Jesus, when you wholeheartedly you know, obey him with all your heart, when you, when you offer him the sacrifices of obedience, he will bless that sacrifice. He will bless that offering he did for David. He'll do it for you. Offer him. And what happens when God sees that? That is going to be, that is a pleasing sacrifice to God. It's a pleasing sacrifice. God will use it for his purpose and for his glory. Mary poured out this perfume. And it filled the building. It filled the house. This was no ordinary perfume. And, the, and they could tell. The, the, the disciples could tell as soon as, she, as soon as she opened it that this was no ordinary perfume. This was a, a pleasing fragrance that filled the room. And you know, the Bible says when you and I walk in love and we make the sacrifices of love uh, to honor Jesus, it says that that is a fragrant and a pleasing sacrifice, an aroma to God. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It was a fragrant, when Jesus agonized on the cross, that was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When he, we, he gave us the example of self-giving, self-sacrificing love. When you and I give, in that way, walk in love and do, do the, the self-sacrificing, self-giving things that love requires and do it to honor Jesus. That's a fragrant offering to God. It's a fragrant offering to the Father. You know, worshiping God. Mary was worshiping God when she, she, she physically put this... Uh, this, this, this perfume upon Jesus' feet. It was a physical act of worship. Uh, this is what God wants to do. Do you know what? Uh, here's the thing. Worship is much more than offering God uh, uh, the songs that we sing. Worship is offering God the lives that we live. Yeah, it doesn't just happen one hour on Sunday morning. It happens every day of the week as we're living our life for Jesus Christ. Honoring Him. Giving him the honor, honor that he's due. You know, you know, we talked about this morning the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Jesus was bringing that up. You know, the Bible says it this way. We are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Paul was making a contrast. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Making a contrast between the Old Testament as sacrifice and the new. In the Old Testament, they would bring an animal to the priest. And they would place the animal upon the altar. And they would take the blood of the animal. And the animal would die. Right there on the altar. As a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Now, the Bible says we don't offer, we don't offer God a dead sacrifice. We offer him a living sacrifice, which is what? It's you and it's me. Listen to this. I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reason, which is your spiritual worship. That's spiritual worship. It's pleasing to God. It's an aroma to God. 
when you give, when you offer him your life as a sacrifice, the way that you live your life. You value Jesus by the way you live your life for him. So the first way we demonstrate honoring Christ is to pour out yourself for him. Pour yourself out. Secondly, secondly. The second demonstration of honoring Jesus is to prioritize your life for him. Put him first. Put him first. Put him first before anything else and anyone else. Put him first before any earthly desires or earthly pursuits. Put him first. Put him first to show your honor to him as your Lord and as your Savior. That means, you know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means before you do anything, you're asking the questions. Is this going to be pleasing to Jesus? Is this going to honor Jesus? See, you're putting him first. You're putting him first. Now, Mary gave this uh, uh, fragrant uh, oil, this pleasing aroma, and you'd think the disciples would be happy. <laughs> Verse 5. Verse 5, Judas does what? He complains. But you know what? The other Gospels tell us it wasn't just Judas. The other, some of the other disciples were saying the same thing. What were they saying? They are saying, wait a minute, this, this perfume, this is, this is a year's wages here. What are you doing? Uh, you could have used this money to, to feed the poor. You know what? Judas... You know, that, that, was a, was that, that sounds like a reasonable argument. A reasonable argument. You could use this money to feed the poor, but the thing is this. Uh, Judas was saying it. We see this in verse 6. It, it was a lie. It was an outright lie. He didn't care about the poor. The only thing he cared about is his money bag, himself and his money. See, Judas was a treasurer of the 12. And any time the money would come in, he would take a little bit off the top. That's Judas. He, that was what he valued. That's what he prior, prioritized in his life was the money. And Jesus stood up for Mary. In verse 8, he stood up for her. She said, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You see, what Mary did was the right thing for that time and for that place. Why? Jesus is saying, you will always have time to, to help the poor, to feed the poor, to minister to the poor. But you will, I'm only going to be with you a little while longer. Remember, it was just one week until the crucifixion. It was the right thing for Mary to do when she anointed him. So when we prioritize our life, we're to put things in order. Put things in order. Okay? And Jesus, you know, Far from, not, far from not valuing the poor, Jesus identified with the poor. Listen to this. Matthew, verse, chapter 25, the day of judgment. Jesus says, he, this is where he separates the sheep from the goats, the saved from the unsaved. And he says, it says he's going to say to the righteous, come you who are blessed by my Father and enter, receive your inheritance. And he's going to say this, I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. 
I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And they're going to say, when, 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 Lord, when did we do these things? Any of you know this? Jesus said, as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus identifies with the poor. Jesus identifies with the weak. That's where he wants our focus to be. That's where he wants us to help. That's where he wants us to extend our efforts in helping the weak, in helping the poor. You know, that's what Dr. Uh, Jerome, the, the Dr. Jerome Lejeune, that's the one that made that discovery of the Down syndrome. That's what he was trying to do, help the weak. You know, Apostle Paul was a great example of helping the weak, helping the poor. Acts 20, verse 35, there's a familiar verse. You hear it often around Christmas time. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, the context of that verse is, is, is in helping the weak and in helping the poor. Let me read it to you. Acts 20, verse 35, Paul says this. In everything I showed you that by working hard, another translation says by toiling, in this manner you must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus himself who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. That word weak there can also be translated as poor. You know, the poor should have a high priority on our, on our mission statement, on our, in our hearts. It was for Jesus. The poor was a high priority. When Mary anointed Jesus, it wasn't a waste. She wasn't wasting anything. She shouldn't have sold that. No, no. It was the right time. It was the right time. So when we put things in order in our life, by prioritizing Jesus in our life, it begins with our time. Prioritize with your time. That's the next in your outline, by the way. <laughs> your time. How are we to do that? How are, we, how are we to prioritize with our time? Take the time every day. Take the time to take in his word and to listen. Seek to hear from him. Pray to hear from him. There's always something new in God's word to direct you, to strengthen you, and to comfort you. Seek him out. Take the time. Slow down. Don't be in such a hurry. Take the time. Pause. Hit the pause button. You know, here's the thing. A Bible translator, Bible translator by the name of Eugene Peterson says this, busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It's essentially laziness. It's doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It's filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. Slow down. Take time. Hit the pause button. Now, we were talking about slowing down and pausing for Jesus Christ. There's a doctor by the name of Atul Gawande that wrote a book about pausing, pause points. And he wrote it about the surgery, going into surgery and the process of having surgery. And it applies to us today in, this, in, your, in the way you'll see in just a moment. But he, he wrote a book, and it's called uh, The Checklist Manifesto. 
and he shows how checklists can save lives and reduce uh, mistakes during surgery. And it all has to do with pausing and what he calls pause points. What they are are these. There's three. There's three. He says, pause before anesthesia. Pause before incision. Pause before leaving the operating room. Now you might ask, well, how can that help? How can that help in surgery? Well, it helps like this. Each one of those pause points lasts no more than one minute. Uh, enough time for the surgery team to make basic checks. Confirm patient's identity. That's a big E, isn't it? <laughs> to begin with. Check for needles and sponges, especially at the end. You never know where those things can end up. <laughs> right? Check. Pause, pause, pause. Hold. Yeah, listen to this. When he first started this, it, it, it slowed the tempo of the surgery process. And, and the slower tempo, the better the outcome. Uh, to begin with, eight hospitals began using uh, Gawande's checklist. Uh, within months, several complications for surgical patients had fallen. Uh, major complications had fallen 36%. Deaths had fallen 47%. Now, this checklist is being used in hospitals throughout the country today. What did they learn? They learned to slow down. They, they learned to, to hit the speed bump. You know, hit the speed bump on purpose and think before you do something important. How does that apply to Christians? We need to take pause points. We need to take pause points every day. Pause points. Take the time to take in God's word. Take the time to find Jesus' guidance, to meditate upon his word, and to hear his voice. And then in these pause points, ask the question, is what I'm doing aligned with his word? Is what I'm doing honoring Jesus? Is what I'm doing walking by faith? Is what I'm doing walking in his strength? Take those pause points. Slow down. So, put things in order by first of all putting your time, your time, and secondly, your treasure. Secondly, your treasure. Prioritize what you value in life. You know what a man treasures, that where his heart, his heart will be also. Did you know that? Um, what you treasure, what you treasure tells everything about you. It tells what you care about. It tells what you're devoted to. And it tells whether or not you have the heart of Christ or the heart of the world. Now, now, now Judas had the heart of the world. He didn't have the heart of Christ. His treasure was his money. That was his highest priority. He didn't care about the poor. He just cared about himself. You know, the Bible says it this way. Whatever, whatever you value most in life, you're going to serve, by the way. Because it's the most valuable thing to you. Luke 16, 13. Jesus said it. No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money at the same time you got to make your choice. We have to be careful how we think about money. Now, it doesn't say, uh, what does the Bible say? The love of money is the root of all evil. 
It's not talking, it doesn't say the possession of money, but does it say the love of money? Uh, don't make that your priority. Don't put that, don't, don't that make that your highest treasure. Jesus. Honor Jesus. Treasure him. Give him the honor is due uh, by, by, by showing him. You know, treasure what Jesus treasures. What is Jesus treasure? Jesus treasures life. Life. He's the source of all created life. John chapter 1. All things were made through him. Without him, not, nothing was made that was made. Jesus is a giver of life. He's a life giver. And he values life above all. He gives life. And he gives eternal life to those who will believe. Now, we're talking about all life is precious to God. Jo uh, Jerome Lejeune, when he was, was championing the, the, the lives of the down, with those with Down syndrome, he went before the United States Senate in 1980. And he told, and he was talking about, they were talking about when does life begin? And he, he gave this testimony as, as he told them, do you know 90% of unborn babies with Down syndrome or are aborted? Can you imagine? And so he was defending the rights of, of these unborn children. He says this, at two months, at two months of age, a human being is less than one thumb length from head to rump. He could easily fit in a nutshell, but everything is there. The hands, the feet, the head, the organs, the brain, it's all there. And if you look closely enough, you can see palm creases. And if you've got a good magnifying glass, you can see fingerprints. Everything is there for that little two-month-old baby to have a, a, an identity card. And it says that he's already been, his heart's been beating for a month. You know, you've, uh, you've probably been hearing about the news lately about uh, uh, laws uh, wanting to stop abortion at six weeks. Well, why is that? Because doctors tell us the heart begins to beat in the fifth and sixth week of pregnancy. The life. Jesus values life. He values life. He's the giver of life, and he's the giver of eternal life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Honor Jesus. Give him the life. Give him, pour out your life for him. Prioritize your life for him. Give Jesus the honor his due, he's due by pouring out your life. Give him an offering that costs you something. Don't hold back. Give him your best. It'll be a fragrant offering and sacrifice just like Mary's was. Show him his worthship. And then prioritize. Honor him by not only pouring out your life, but prioritizing your life for him. Dr. Lejeune's mission was to show the world the value of the unborn children with Down syndrome. Jesus died on the cross to show the world the value of you and of me. You know when Mary anointed his feet, Jesus said something very interesting and it was prophetic. He said, she is preparing my body for burial. You see, it was a custom for the Jews in that day 
when someone had died to cover the body with expensive spices and perfumes. Jesus was saying, this is a prophecy of my death. That's how valuable you are to him. He, he, he was willing to pay the price. He, you owed a debt that you could not pay. He paid the debt that he did not owe. He paid it to show your value. Will you return that love to him? Give Jesus the honor that is due. Father God, we thank you for this example, Lord, of Mary and just her self-sacrificing a gift, her offering to Christ as, as worship and a devotion and a faith. And help us, Lord, to give Jesus the honor. Lord Jesus, we want to honor you. We want to honor you with, with our lives, Lord, and the things that we treasure and the, the time that we spend. Lord, help us to be living sacrifices to you to be pleasing to you, to be an aroma to you as we walk in love. Walk in love, making self-sacrificing, self-giving decisions, all to honor you. Jesus, we thank you for your love. Help us to share your love to those around us. In your name we pray.